This is not the America that our founding fathers dreamed of. This is shameful. It's going to be hard to move forward as a country with dispatch until we accept the clear results of this election and turn the page. Good luck with that, Senator. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Still ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Out in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Up in Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell, if irritated fellow, says me <laughs> from bradblog.com. Boy, howdy, am I irritated today. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. Yes, we are still radio to quarantine by these days. Hello, Mike Pompeo. Please enjoy the program. There are 35 days until Inauguration Day. Warning, they may be the 35 longest days of your entire lives. There are 21 days until Joe Biden's uh, 306 to 232 vote electoral college landslide, his landslide defeat of Donald Trump, That's a landslide because that's what Donald Trump called it when he got two electoral votes fewer than that in uh, when he got 304 back in 2016. So 21 days until that electoral college landslide is ratified or not by the U.S. Congress on January 6th and 20 days now until it is the final day for Georgians to cast their vote in the state's two U.S. Senate runoff elections that will determine control of the U.S. Senate for the next two years and the possibility for Joe Biden to actually have an agenda that matters. All of that is now up to the state of Georgia amid all of the madness this nation is now going through. That is uh, January 5 in Georgia, but early voting is now underway, and I am hoping folks are turning out to vote. Welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> 
Let's start here. I'll say hello, Desi Doyen. Hi. Saying hello to you always makes me feel better. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad it doesn't make you feel worse. Because from here on out, everything is just downhill with what <laughs> I what what I have to deal with today. Let's start here. Just a few of the more than 900 invitees to Secretary of State, 900 invitees to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's indoor holiday party bothered to show up on Tuesday following a flood of criticism that the event could become a super spreader event for coronavirus. How many showed up? Uh, we don't know. Just a few is all we know of 900, according to The Washington Post, late on Tuesday night. Public health officials and lawmakers had been warning for weeks that the indoor event, with a long list of invitees and a reception where eating and drinking would encourage the removal of face masks, was an invitation to another less welcome guest, as the uh, the Post reports, coronavirus infection. Amid the worst pandemic in more than 100 years, about just about 70 people bothered to RSVP for the event out of the 900 who were invited. 70 people RSVP'd. It was an event dedicated to the family members of diplomats serving overseas in dangerous postings as of uh, Monday night. And just a fraction of those uh, 70 people actually showed up. So, you know, to say thanks to the diplomats serving in dangerous overseas postings, come to this indoor reception with the Secretary of State and risk your life. Anyway, it turns out to have been a very lucky thing that very few people wanted to show up to Pompeo's stupid party. He was scheduled to speak at the event. He canceled his speech, however... And he had a substitute stand in for him, according to the Post. So even Mike Pompeo did not bother to show up. It was unclear if he had canceled his remarks due to his own health concerns or for some other reason. But the event was only one of the parties that Pompeo has been planning for the holiday season. It defied guidance from health officials from within the Trump administration itself, who have been discouraging Americans from travel and from hosting large indoor gatherings as the U.S. continues to combat the virus, which has now killed more than 300,000 people in the U.S. A notice issued by the State Department itself, by State Department leadership to employees of the State Department earlier this month, advised that, quote, any non-mission critical events should be held virtually. Well, a party for 900 uh, uh, State Department officials, apparently that is a mission critical event. Senator Bob Menendez, Democrat of New Jersey, earlier this month, urged Pompeo to cancel the party, noting its hypocrisy in a letter to the Secretary of State. The American Foreign Service Association also issued a statement recently calling on the department to, quote, reverse course and model responsible behavior in accordance with its own guidelines. The nonpartisan union, which represents diplomats, referred to recommendations from the agency's own leaders that told embassies to hold only these virtual gatherings to close the year amid the ongoing public health crisis. But that didn't stop Mike Pompeo. Well, it stopped him from showing up at the party, but it didn't stop him from endangering his own staff and their families, apparently. And using taxpayer money to do it. 
And apparently it's a good thing that a few showed up for it uh, for the super spreader party. But that may not have helped Mike Pompeo himself. The secretary of state has now gone into quarantine after reportedly coming into contact with someone who tested positive for the coronavirus, according to a State Department spokesperson today. Uh, that would be the day after the party that Pompeo did not attend, and few others did either. After the contact was discovered, Pompeo, who, by the way, don't mean anything personal here, but he's got a few, uh, let's say, weight issues, uh, making him at a much greater risk of very serious COVID complications. Anyway, after the contact was discovered, Pompeo uh, did take a test for the virus. He tested negative so far. A spokesperson said that, quote, he is being closely monitored by the department's medical team in case his status changes. His exposure to a person who tested positive for the virus may explain why he had to cancel that speech at that poorly attended holiday event on Tuesday. Washington Post, Post reports this morning that the department did not explain his decision to miss the indoor uh, reception after uh, health officials and U.S. lawmakers tried to get him to cancel it. The department declined to identify where Pompeo's covid exposure happened for the past week. He and his top aides have been hosting several holiday parties at the State Department and at Trump's guest house known as the Blair House. So I guess he could have picked it up from anywhere among that crew, that usually maskless crew. Yes, the coronavirus crisis continues to rage in this nation. More than 300,000 Americans now dead. That is more than died during combat in all of World War II. More Americans dead. It's more than the 50 uh, than the uh, more, more than 50,000 have been killed in just the past month, exceeding the number of Americans who were killed during all of the years of our conflict in Vietnam. But what are the Republicans doing about it other than holding super spreader indoor holiday parties? Well, they are continuing to pretend that the 2020 election was stolen, holding hearings to that end. Today in the U.S. Senate, which I will get to in a bit, and attacking voting machine companies that had absolutely nothing to do with the election for somehow stealing it for Joe Biden. And, you know, if you can't believe that I'm still talking about this, well, neither can I. Florida-based electronic voting system company Smartmatic this week demanded that three right-wing media outlets retract their claims that its machines had somehow flipped votes to President-elect Joe Biden. Smartmatic issued legal notices and retraction demand letters to Fox News, to Newsmax, and to One American News Network. All three have been pushing baseless, often evidence-free conspiracy theories or conspiracy theories with evidence that is complete and utter nonsense and not actually evidence of anything at all, other than evidence that the clowns who are pushing these theories clearly know nothing about voting systems, how they work and don't, and how the election law works and doesn't. And they are simply trying to push out partisan smoke and dust 
so that they can all help pretend that Donald Trump's claims of massive fraud in the 2020 election have any basis in fact whatsoever. And if you're wondering why I am furious today, why I'm so irritated as we start the show, it's because I have to go out and defend voting machine companies at this point. (laughs) And if you know anything about me, anything about this show, anything about bradblog.com, you know that after 20 years, the last thing I am actually interested in doing is defending voting machine companies. That is how twisted all of this has now become, how absurd it is that I'm forced to take the side of private vendors who have no business being in our elections at all, for Christ's sake. That should give you an idea of just how insane and frankly dangerous this moment in history now is thanks to these clueless, desperate wingnuts. So there is a uh, this, this so-called... Voting system audit report that has been created by this private Dallas-based so-called military intelligence outfit, which calls itself Allied Security Operations Group, or ASOG, A-S-O-G. And if you haven't heard about them uh, yet, it's probably because you haven't heard from your wingnut relatives on Facebook about how this, uh, this, this new audit breaks open the entire scam. Now, this group, ASOG, has supposedly done a forensic review of the computerized election management systems, or EMS, uh, that were used in Antrim County, Michigan, during the November election. You may recall that Antrim County, a very Republican-leaning county, uh, initially showed on election night that Joe Biden had somehow defeated Donald Trump in a landslide in the county. It was an error. It was wrong. It wasn't true. The error was quickly discovered because it was so improbable that Joe Biden would defeat Donald Trump at all in this particular county, much less by landslide numbers. And a quick review by the Republican election clerk there of the poll tapes. Those are the results that are spit out by the actual optical scan tabulation computers, which tally the hand-marked paper ballots uh, in the county at the end of the night. They reviewed those actual tapes and they found that, yes, as expected, Donald Trump beat Joe Biden in that county. Now, the Michigan Democratic Secretary of State and the Republican election officials in Antrim both agreed that the error was due to a failure on the local level in Antrim County to do an update to the computer that sends the results to the state's computer to be reported out. So that when the county uploaded the results, the results which were correct, at least according to the the tapes that print out from the scanners, uh, when they uploaded those correct results, somehow there was a, a, a database mismatch on the other end at the receiving computer. They were expecting to receive the numbers in a different format, essentially. So all the numbers went sideways and it made it look like Joe Biden had actually beat Donald Trump when, in fact, nobody ever thought that he did in Antrim County, Michigan. So they just went back to the original scans. They counted up those tapes. They got what they feel were the correct numbers showing that Donald Trump won. They reported those to the state by phone this time instead of relying on uh, an upload across the Internet. 
And the matter was quickly corrected and resolved, and frankly, it would have been avoided altogether had had there had there been well-designed software made by these private vendors. But these election systems, as we've long reported here on the Bradcast and at bradblog.com, are anything but well-designed. They are terribly designed. So they don't bother to check, hey, does it, do they have the right version of the software on that end before we upload data to it, to this version on this end? But the explanation of what happened and how it was a screw-up because one side of the upload had a different version of the software than the other side, that sounded completely plausible to folks like myself who have studied these systems for years and know how they work and, yes, how they don't. Nonetheless, since incidents like this can justifiably shake confidence in our voting and tabulation systems, I mentioned that night, I believe it was on election night on Twitter, that there should be an independent investigation and a public hand count of the hand-marked paper ballots that they thankfully use in Antrim so that everyone, both the winners and the losers alike, can have confidence that the results ultimately reported were accurate results. And of course, instead of that happening... Instead of, you know, Team Trump saying, yes, that's a good idea. Let's have an independent investigation. Let's hand count all of the ballots. Instead of that, Team Trump and the MAGA mob started yelling and screaming that what had been described anyway as human error, describing that instead as an attempt by the Dominion Voting Systems Company to steal the election for Joe Biden in Michigan, which luckily they caught due to this error. I think uh, Sidney Powell referred to this as, uh, you know, they got caught because there was more votes than they expected as their algorithm was doing its magic or some nonsense like that to change the votes from Trump to Biden. But they got caught in Antrim. Never mind that Antrim's 15,000 or so votes total could not actually steal the election for Joe Biden in a state where he ended up winning uh, by well over 150,000 votes in Michigan. And that it would have been a really dumb place to try and steal the election since it would have been so obvious. And never mind that no other county in the state has revealed any such glitch in their results reporting system, which which is what went sideways here. It was the results reporting system. It was not the tabulation system. It was not the Dominion voting systems themselves, which appear so far to have been accurate. But nonetheless, the Trumpers have continued to cite Antrim as evidence that not only Michigan was stolen for Joe, uh, for Joe Biden, but so was every other swing state in the nation by the nefarious Canadian company named Dominion, even though most counties that use Dominion voting systems actually went to Donald Trump in those swing states. They don't mention that very often. They don't mention that very often when they're claiming that Dominion voting systems stole the election for Joe Biden in Philadelphia, which, by the way, does not use Dominion voting systems. It uses an ES&S election systems and software, a totally different vendor. In Pennsylvania, the counties that actually do use Dominion, those all went to Donald Trump. Anyway, 
This uh, ASOG group of supposed former military intelligence people, which the Washington Post found to be anything but that, they released a report on, on some forensic investigation or another that they were allowed to do of the reporting system in Antrim, and they claimed that there was massive errors discovered in the system's log file. These systems actually log every action, every event that takes place on them, or at least they are supposed to. And they looked at that uh, log file and they found all sorts of uh, things labeled as error, error, error. Now, I won't go into details on this. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because it's incredibly wonky. But when real voting systems and cybersecurity experts uh, decided to look at this 185-page report over the past 24 hours that was produced by ASOG, they have been pointing out that there's no actual evidence of fraud in this report and that much of the stuff that these clowns cited as evidence of errors is not actually evidence of errors at all. I shared some of those findings from the actual experts on Twitter uh, earlier today. One guy wrote me back and said, uh, quote, it, it, could, uh, it, could be the, uh, it could be the wrong takeaway, but some readers might start to take away from all of the attacks that people who once agreed voting machines are rigged, hackable, and therefore illegitimate have somehow had a change of heart. I think he was talking about me. And I've heard that from others. Brad, you used to claim that all of the elections were fraudulent. Now that your guy won, now you think uh, that uh, elections can't be stolen anymore. Boy, are they wrong. On every level, uh, I, I have never said that elections cannot be stolen anymore. I have never said that this election was not stolen. I've said we have seen no evidence that this election was stolen. And no, I never agreed that voting machines are rigged. I replied to this guy and said uh, it would be the very wrong takeaway, one made only by lazy, disingenuous, opportunistic clowns who don't actually give a damn about election integrity and know nothing about it, unlike those of us who actually do and have spent years of our lives in those trenches. As I have said, God knows how many times, Simply because a machine can be rigged does not mean that it has been rigged. Just because a voting system is hackable does not mean that it has been hacked. A forensic investigation of those systems, a proper investiga uh, forensic investigation of those systems, as was apparently allowed for this ASOG group, I don't know how proper it was, but they were allowed to somehow have access to these systems, which, by the way, in election after election over the past 20 years, uh, I have seen people try to get similar access to uh, voting systems to do these forensic investigations, and they are not allowed to. But somehow when, the, uh, when Donald Trump, the Republican president of the United States, when he wants to pretend that these machines have uh, stolen the election from him, somehow these groups get access to them, just like that. And they're able to do a forensic study overnight. Anyway, uh, with a forensic investigation, it, it's a legitimate one. It should uh, be fairly easy to find proof that such a system was hacked uh, or at least find evidence to suggest as much. But these ASOG folks, they do not seem to understand how these systems actually work and what their, what their log files actually mean. And they're out there making absurd claims that are just being eaten up 
naturally, by the right-wing media industry to continue Donald Trump's hoax that the election was rigged against him by a vast worldwide conspiracy led by Dominion Voting Systems and another election vendor by the name of Smartmatic, which has no contracts at all in any of the swing states and is only tied to Dominion Voting Systems thanks to some 100% accurate deep-dive investigative reporting that I did and that I published at Bradblog.com more than 10 years ago now. That series of reports revealed that a third company, one that was eventually purchased by Dominion, was not uh, fully forthcoming about their relationship to Smartmatic, which was founded by Venezuelans and once tied to the late Venezuelan president, Hugo Chavez. But it is easier to demonize, I guess, a dead Venezuelan strongman than some, you know, sweater-wearing Canadians, I guess. Because many on the right are now claiming that it was Smartmatic who stole the election from Donald Trump. Yes, it is insane. But yes, this is the garbage and nonsense being sucked up right now by about half of the country via right-wing outlets who are misreporting this nonsense and these evidence-free claims from these partisan hacks who have no clue what they're actually talking about, which is then being amplified by the wingnut outlets uh, and by our deranged, twisted, sore loser president of the United States himself, who cannot admit that the nation kicked his ass out of the White House on November 3rd because he is hands down the worst, most unfit, most dangerously psychotic and psychologically damaged president that this nation has ever seen, as he likes to say, by far. Other than that, he's fantastic. So back to the report on Smartmatic. And mind you, I, one of the reasons I'm irritated is, A, because I don't like defending these voting machine companies, but B, I don't want to be reporting on this crap at all. But ignoring it does not make it go away. Yeah, and this is an area where you have considerable expertise, so you kind of do have a professional obligation to report on all of this. Oh, shut up. I don't have a profession. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I'm not obligated to do anything I want, Desi Doyen. <laughs> Anyway, so back to the back to this report on Smartmatic now threatening and boy, do I hope they do it. Boy, do I hope they do it. They are threatening to sue the media outlets, Fox News, Newsmax, One America Now, because their anchors and their guests are alleging that Smartmatic voting systems played a role in stealing the election for Joe Biden, even though Smartmatic has just one single contract in the U.S. And guess where it is? It's right here in Los Angeles County, where they built the terrible 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that are now forced on voters at the polling places here in the nation's largest voting jurisdiction for the first time in 2020 that I have probably spent the last I don't know how many years railing against. Yes, I have to defend those guys. But hey, did they steal Los Angeles County as well? One of the most Democratic-leaning counties in the nation and one of the most Democratic-leaning states in the nation? Did they steal it for Joe Biden, too? 
The Smartmatic CEO, Antonio Mujica, said in a statement they have no evidence to support their attacks on Smartmatic because there is no evidence. This campaign, he said, was designed to defame Smartmatic and undermine legitimately conducted elections. The company informed the three news outlets that it would reserve the right to sue for defamation and disparagement. Oh, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. The uh, news outlet Newsmax said uh, they it has never made a claim of impropriety about Smartmatic, its ownership or software. Individuals, including plaintiffs, attorneys, congressmen and others have appeared on Newsmax raising questions about the company and its voting software, citing legal documents or previously published reports about Smartmatic. Yes, including mine, which do not say what those plaintiffs, attorneys, and the congressmen and others say that they say that they say. Newsmax went on to say, uh, quote, as any major media outlet, we provide a forum for public concerns and discussions in the past. We have welcomed Smartmatic and its representatives to counter such claims they believe to be inaccurate and will continue to do so. Trump and his allies have repeatedly cited the two companies, Dominion and Smartmatic, in claiming that votes were manipulated and somehow have claimed that they are backed by communist money as part of a broader, years-long plot to undermine the election. None of Trump's attorneys, however, have presented any such evidence in court, as The Hill accurately notes. Smartmatic said on Monday that it has designed and implemented voting uh, technology in 25 countries since 2000 without seeing a single security breach. Yeah, well, I don't buy that either. But it irritates the hell out of me that I have to come to the defense of a voting machine company, for Christ's sakes, when in fact I don't believe any of these private corporate vendors have any place at all in our public election systems. In a report from AP, on this, uh, Mujica said in an interview that uh, for years he watched as democracy in his native Venezuela was destroyed by lies and conspiracy theories pushed from the highest levels of the country's socialist government. Now he fears many Americans are being too complacent in the face of a similar disinformation campaign. Mojica said in this interview with uh, the Associated Press when, quote, when a candidate questions the elections in some emerging market in Africa or South America, it stays there. It doesn't affect the entire planet. Now, he says, the role model is that if you lose, you basically say you didn't lose. You say you were cheated. Smartmatic sent letters to uh, Fox and Rudy Giuliani and other Trump allies threatening legal actions unless they fully retract their baseless claims. Uh, fact checkers at the AP and other outlets have debunked those claims while Trump's own attorney general and cybersecurity officials have found no evidence of voter fraud, as AP calls it. Of course, uh, both of those uh, uh, Chris Krebs, the DHS cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency head and Attorney General Bill Barr at DOJ, both of them have now been pushed out of the administration after making such scandalous claims that they've seen no evidence of fraud because it displeased King Donald. But Trump allies uh, continue to press ahead nonetheless. Last week, former Trump attorney Sidney Powell appeared on Fox Business on the Lou Dobbs show to accuse Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's former chief of staff of being the ringleader of what she called a, quote, cyber Pearl Harbor 
involving Smartmatic. Hey, since you mentioned uh, uh, Pearl Harbor, did you know that more people died of COVID yesterday alone than died at Pearl Harbor? But I digress. Smartmatic, in its 20-page letter sent to Fox's legal counsel on Friday, said that the, quote, demonstrably false and defamatory statements could have easily been disproven by a simple Internet search. According to the letter, to the letter they said the damage your disinformation campaign has done and will do to Smartmatic's revenue and business valuation will be measured in hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. Please sue them. Please sue them. Please sue them. Uh, Mujica said that talks with electoral authorities in Colombia, a market that the company has been trying to enter for years, immediately stalled after these false reports were aired. He said, we have a pipeline for the next five years that's worth billions of dollars, and we know some of the business is now going to be lost. I hope they sue the pants out of these people, and frankly, I hope I'm called to testify against them. Yes, even if I have to testify on behalf of the voting machine <laughs> companies. Though they may not like what I have to say about them either, so I'm not holding my breath that they'll be uh, subpoenaing me anytime soon to testify. Mojica said that company officials and their uh, family members, including the 14-year-old son of his, uh, of his co-founder, have been targeted. They've been targets of menacing phone calls, emails, social media posts in the wake of all of these false reports. Mojica said we saw the real damage disinformation caused to Venezuela much before it was in vogue in the rest of the world. He said he's cognizant that in all conspiracy theories, there's, quote, a grain of truth that can be turned into a weird monster from someone's imagination. That's why they are so effective, he said. Smartmatic's initial success is, in fact, partly attributable to major contracts from Chavez's government, who was an early supporter of electronic voting. Smartmatic broke all ties, however, with Venezuela in 2017 when it denounced electoral fraud they say was carried out by Maduro, who Trump now accuses of working with Smartmatic to somehow elect Joe Biden. AP also notes, as I have been for the past Lord knows how many weeks and years, that in the 2020 U.S. election, Smartmatic was used only in Los Angeles County, California, that it does not have any existing ties to Dominion voting systems, a rival that Trump team uh, has uh, accused of being part of the plot. Nonetheless, with all 50 states now having confirmed their election results as accurate and with no evidence of fraud and electors from all 50 states having cast their votes, giving Joe Biden a landslide win of 306 votes to Donald Trump's 232 that Trump himself described as a landslide when he received just 304 electoral votes back in 2016. And with more than 300,000 Americans now dead and tens of millions out of work due to the COVID crisis, which is leaving people homeless and unable to pay their rent or their mortgage. And as re Republicans in Congress have blocked relief for American families for months now, some nine months now, what are the Republicans in the U.S. Senate doing today? Well, Wisconsin's Republican Senator Ron Johnson held a hearing on supposed election fraud in the 2020 election where Democrats had to call Donald Trump's own cybersecurity expert, Chris Krebs, to testify against the Republicans' outlandish, evidence-free claims of fraud that even the Trump campaign did not have the courage 
to bring up in any of their court cases because they know that it is BS. And I'm sure Ron Johnson knows it too, but he doesn't care. These people all know that they are playing the American people. And anti-American, anti-democracy stooges like Ron Johnson in the Senate Government Affairs Committee, they are all playing along with this attempt to undermine American democracy itself, which, yes, I care about. That's why I have spent 20 years reporting on this stuff. Democratic Senator Tom Carper of Delaware at one point became rather emotional during his response to this madness, and I don't blame him. He is uh, wearing, you'll hear him, uh, he is wearing a mask, so it, it can be hard to make out some of what he has to say. But he became emotional as, as the COVID crisis continues to surge and as Americans continue to die and seditious Republicans like Johnson and the majority of the GOP caucus now in Congress actually prop up this madness with the imprimatur of an otherwise legitimate hearing, even though it's a totally illegitimate hearing in the U.S. Senate. And if we continue to push what the courts have overwhelmingly called baseless claims of fraud, we not only risk permanent damage to our democracy, we also become complicit in threats and attacks against election officials and ordinary citizens. In Georgia, nonpartisan election te technicians have faced death threats simply for doing their jobs. The Georgia Secretary of State and his family have received death threats. Mr. Krebs, our witness here today, a Trump appointee has been bombarded with threats ever since an attorney for President Trump's campaign said on national TV, what did he say? He said, Krebs should be taken out at dawn and shot. And just this week, quote, credible threats of violence closed the Michigan state capitol and electors in Pennsylvania needed law enforcement escorts when they went to cast their votes. This is not the America that our founding fathers dreamed of. This is shameful. Enough already. We have work to do to get America back on track, starting right here, right here in this Congress, in this House. All of us, Democrats and Republicans here in this body, need to do our jobs. And that's just the beginning. There are over 250 million Americans who need to be vaccinated there are millions of businesses that need a helping hand. Tens of millions of students who need to be back in school getting an education. Hundreds of thousands of hospital and nursing workers who just need a break. But it's going to be hard to move forward as a country with dispatch or as a Congress until we accept the clear results of this election and turn the page. Senator Tom Carper, Democrat from Delaware, um, today in the U.S. Senate Government Affairs Committee. But I am afraid it is going to take some time before we're able to turn that page, Senator. Not until these clowns and these buffoons are actually forced to pay a price for their undermining of America itself. But uh, we will turn the page long enough here to take a break and come back with some, oh, some actual election fraud, actual voter fraud, in fact, that very few Republicans, for some reason, seem to be talking about. Perhaps because it was actually demonstrably committed 
by the President of the United States himself. That and Desi Doyen with our latest Green News report to somehow make it all better <laughs> is all coming up today on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. See, here I am On the road again There I am Up on the stage Here I go Playing star again There I go Turn the page Yeah, not going to be able to turn the page just yet, I'm afraid. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. But we will remain vigilant along the watchtower, if you will. <laughs> Next door neighbors of Mar-a-Lago, uh, President Trump's private club in Palm Beach, Florida, that he has called his winter White House, have a message for the outgoing commander in chief. We don't want you to be our neighbor. This, according to the Washington Post today, that message was formerly formally conveyed Tuesday morning in a demand letter delivered to the town of Palm Beach and also addressed to the U.S. Secret Service, asserting that Trump lost his legal right to live at Mar-a-Lago because of an agreement he signed in the early 1990s when he converted the storied Mar-a-Lago estate from a private residence to a private commercial club. That legal maneuver could, at long last, force Palm Beach to publicly address whether Trump can make Mar-a-Lago his legal residence and home, as he has been expected to do when he becomes an ex-president after the swearing-in of Joe Biden on January 20. That's right. As we reported months ago here, when the Post first began uncovering documents from the early 90s detailing Donald Trump's agreement with the town of Palm Beach that the club, if, if he was allowed to convert it from uh, residential to commercial use, as he eventually did, the agreement that the club could not be used as a private residence. But it was nonetheless used unlawfully by Trump on his voter registration form in Florida as his residence. But it can't be his residence because it can't be anybody's residence because of an agreement that he signed. Nonetheless, that's what he described as his residence in Florida unlawfully before he then unlawfully voted by mail in the Florida primaries this year. And then he unlawfully voted in person in the general election there, all of which are Class D felonies in the state of Florida. Yes, actual voter fraud by the president of the United States. If you're looking for fraud, Mr. President, you really don't have to go that far. <laughs> Just walk over to the bathroom and look in the mirror. You may not like what you see. The uh, new letter from the Palm Beach residents and neighbors of uh, Mar-a-Lago, according to the Post, sets up a, a potentially awkward scenario 
unique in recent history, they say, in which a formal a former Oval Office occupant would find himself having to officially defend his choice of a place to live during his post-presidency. It also could create a legal headache for Trump because he changed his official domicile to Mar-a-Lago, leaving behind Manhattan, where he lived before he was uh, became president. Trump originally tried to register to vote, by the way, in Florida using the White House in Washington as his address, which, if you haven't noticed, the White House and Washington, D.C. is not actually in Florida. So he can't use that as his Florida address for voting. Funny how that works. That is not allowed under Florida <laughs> law. So he took a mulligan and this time he changed the registration to the Mar-a-Lago address. In fact, that is not allowed either because Mar-a-Lago cannot be a personal residence under the agreement that was signed by Trump in 1993. Now, several official complaints were filed uh, with Florida law enforcement after this came to light. And Florida law enforcement, by statute, must investigate any such complaints. And yet, oddly enough, so far at least, nothing has come from those complaints as far as we can tell. Even though uh, Republican Governor Rick DeSantis did somehow manage to sick his state police on the state's former COVID data science expert, Rebecca Jones, who created the state's uh, much vaunted COVID reporting dashboard. But she quit a few months back because uh, she was refusing uh, to manipulate the data as as uh, as demanded by De DeSantis's uh, state health agency. That was several months ago, and last week her family was held at gunpoint by state police as they raided her house for some reason and took all of her computers and devices for reasons that are still unclear as of now. But Florida law enforcement, they had time for that. They had time to you know, hold a, a, a scientist at gunpoint who worked for the state, who appears to have broken no laws. And her children. And her children. Just they don't have time to investigate voter fraud carried out in plain sight in the state twice, three times, by the way, if you include the fraudulent voter registration as well, by the president of the United States, who just happens to be an ally of Governor uh, Ron DeSantis. I'll wait for the U.S. Senate to hold hearings on that, too. Should be any day now. In the demand letter from the Mar-a-Lago neighbors that was obtained by the Post, their lawyer says the town should notify Donald Trump that he cannot use Mar-a-Lago as his residence. Making that notification, they say, would, quote, avoid an embarrassing situation if the outgoing president moves to the club and then later has to be ordered to leave. That won't look good. There's absolutely no legal theory under which he can use that property as both a residence and a club, said Glenn Zeitz, another nearby Palm Beach homeowner who has joined the fight against Trump. Basically, he is playing a dead hand, says Zeitz. He's not going to intimidate or bluff people because we are going to be there. Good for them. I like these Palm Beach neighbors. <laughs> The uh, current residency controversy, they note, tracks back to this deal that was cut in 1993 when Trump's finances were foundering and the cost of maintaining Mar-a-Lago was soaring. Uh, under the agreement, club members are banned from spending more than 21 days a year in the club's guest suites. 21 days, that's it. And they cannot stay there for any longer than seven consecutive days. 
Before this uh, agreement was sealed, a Trump attorney assured the town council in a public meeting that his client would not live at Mar-a-Lago. At the time, the town's leaders were wary of Trump because he had sued them after they blocked his attempt to subdivide the historic Mar-a-Lago property into multiple lots, placing the limitations on lengths of stay, ensured that Trump's property would remain a private club, as he had promised, rather than a residential hotel, as he was trying to pull off at the time. Trump has repeatedly attempted to change uh, parts of that agreement. In 2018, he asked the town to waive a provision banning him from building a dock a at the party club. party dock. Yep. He initially said that it was uh, the, 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 the Secret Service and local law enforcement officials, they needed that structure to, uh, to protect him. Uh, but the reasoning was later changed to say that the dock was for private use of the president and the first lady. He withdrew that request earlier this year, just days after the Post reported uh, on this uh, on these details from this 1993 agreement with the town. The 93 agreement isn't the only document, apparently, that raises questions about whether Trump can legally live at Mar-a-Lago. This is new. I had not uh, heard about this other document. He signed a document deeding development rights for Mar-a-Lago. To the National Trust for Historic Preservation. This is a Washington-based, privately uh, funded nonprofit organization that works to save historic sites around the country. As part of the deal with the National Trust, Trump agreed to, quote, forever relinquish his rights to develop Mar-a-Lago or to use it for, quote, any purpose other than club use. Well, it's a good thing that uh, Donald Trump is white and the president, Republicans have jailed Americans, usually Americans of color, for committing much less egregious voter fraud crimes than Donald Trump has committed here. Much less egregious. In many cases, uh, they didn't vote at all just for registering to vote unlawfully, even when they didn't know that it was unlawful to register to vote. Often they've done this accidentally, having no idea they were committing a crime. There is, however, no way that Donald Trump did not know that he was committing a crime. He just doesn't think that the law applies to him. And so far, he has been right. In about 35 days, that calculation may be markedly different once he is no longer president. By the way, I have long advocated for prisoners to be allowed to vote from prison. And I will continue to support Donald Trump's voting rights, even if his new residence becomes a federal prison after he is out of office. My values, unlike his and the Republican Party's, are not fungible based on who they might apply to at any given time. So you're welcome, Donald. I very much look forward to fighting for your rights to vote someday after you are in prison taken away uh, as a felon. The Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. 
I don't know if I feel any better after uh, 50 minutes of righteous uh, <laughs> ranting, uh, Des. No worries. But. We'll try to help you feel better with our latest Green News report. In the last 20 years, we've experienced twice the number of weather disasters as we did in the previous 20 years. U.S. on verge of breaking its record for the most billion-dollar disasters in a single year. California insurers canceling homeowner policies due to record wildfires. Plus, five years after Paris, we are still not going in the right direction. UN warns world must pick up the pace in cutting carbon emissions. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. To be candid, if there's no change... If we don't do anything to solve our climate change crisis, Florida faces extinction. Well, no, but no, no. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I remarked the other day we haven't had a lot of explosions of late, but we had a chemical plant explode in West Virginia, and now... A fossil fuel explosion in the Middle East. Yes, a port in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, has been closed after an oil tanker was hit by an explosive device on Monday that damaged the hull but caused no injuries. It was the fourth such attack on oil installations in a month in the region amid the civil war in neighboring Yemen. Here in the U.S., extreme weather is extremely expensive. According to data compiled by NOAA, the U.S. in 2020 is likely to shatter its previous record for the most billion-dollar climate disasters in a single year. Those are individual disasters costing a billion dollars or more each. Final numbers for 2020 aren't in yet, but we are likely to obliterate the prior record year of 16 disasters set three years ago with a new record of 20 or more Mm. billion-dollar disasters in 2020, from the record hurricane season to record western wildfires to the Midwest derecho and more. Well, why haven't you warned us years ago that climate change would be this expensive? This is the sixth year in a row in which the United States has seen 10 or more billion-dollar climate-related disasters. The American Red Cross reports that this year, four times more Americans needed emergency disaster housing than the annual average over the last decade. But remember, we don't have enough money to do anything about it. It's also affecting insurance. In California, five of the six largest fires in state history hit just this year alone. Bloomberg News reports an increasing number of insurance companies are dropping homeowner insurance policies because of the billions of dollars in wildfire losses. They're dropping fire insurance policies here in California? Yes. That's not good. In international news, at a virtual climate summit over the weekend, marking the five-year anniversary of the landmark U.N. Paris climate accord, more than 70 world leaders convened to increase their pledged targets for cutting their contributions to greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous man-made global warming. The U.S. was not invited because Donald Trump withdrew from the accord. President-elect Joe Biden has pledged to rejoin it. 
Now, we did withdraw. That took place the day after our presidential election this year. Yep. But now Joe Biden will be able to get in if he asks nicely, pretty please. (laughs) Yes. Good. The U.N. reports that progress has been made in cutting the rate of annual global emissions since the Paris Accord was signed. And global CO2 emissions dropped 7 percent in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic curbing fossil fuel use. But the annual global carbon budget report warns that the world is falling behind in meeting the Paris emissions targets and projects that global emissions will need to drop by 7% a year by 2030 to avoid the worst impacts of man-made climate change. So it did drop 7% over the last year, but that was because of the pandemic. Right. And you can't have a pandemic every year, darn the luck. Please no. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said current Paris targets are not enough to match the scale of the crisis as the impacts of warming already are hitting the planet earlier than scientists predicted. If we don't change course, we may be headed for a catastrophic temperature rise of more than three degrees this century. Can anybody still deny that we are facing a dramatic emergency? That is why today I call on all leaders worldwide to declare a state of climate emergency in their countries until carbon neutrality is reached. Totally fake accent. China, Argentina, the UK all announced higher emissions targets. The European Union went even further, committing to slash their collective greenhouse gas emissions by 55% in the next decade, a much higher reduction than previously proposed in order to reach their net zero emissions target by 2050. Did you say China increased their targets? Yes. Hmm. Okay, I thought we were told they weren't ever going to increase their targets. Surprise! Some good news. Japanese automaker Nissan became the latest manufacturer to withdraw from the Trump administration's lawsuit seeking to cancel California's long-standing authority to set its own more stringent car emissions and gas mileage standards. And finally, Tasmania, Australia's island province, has announced it has transitioned completely to 100 percent renewable electricity. Those devils. Very nice. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Is that supposed to make me feel better? Ah, Tasmania. Yes, of course. Things are going better. Shift is happening. It's a good thing. We just got to move to Tasmania. (laughs) I'm in. Thank you very much. Our producer, Desi Doyen, thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. I hope you will share it with your friends, your family, your enemies, whoever you like. That service is made possible by those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you in advance uh, for considering us for your end-of-year giving. bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 